Hello, good afternoon, Michael Wynn, Chief Digital Officer of Digital Ops, a division of RB Oppenheim Associates. Welcome to the Digital Marketing Podcast and Video Series, where we talk about digital marketing strategies and tactics to help grow your business. Today, I want to talk about the announcement that was made last week, uh, a week ago today, as a matter of fact, uh, of Google's third-party cookie apocalypse as it's being coined. What this means is Google's announcement to say that they would no longer support third-party cookies on their browser platform uh, in a phased out approach over the next two years. Uh, this, this really is, a, is not a huge surprise when we go back and look at the announcement they, they made back in May of 2019, where they talked about the recognition that you know when when some of the other browsers like Safari and Mozilla um, announced that they were just going to flat out block cookies completely, um, they disagree with it uh, with that approach. Of course, they disagree with that approach because Safari and Mozilla do not have a multi-billion-dollar ad platform attached to their product like Google does. In fact, Google reported in, up, up until the third quarter of 2019 that a little over $97 billion in ad revenue from its ad platform uh, is what they reported through the end of the third quarter in 2019. So when, when they say they're no longer going to support uh, third-party cookies, doesn't mean that they're they're not going to support cookies, right? What what they mean is that they don't want to have um, you know nefarious characters who are compromising the privacy of users on their browser. So first part, what you know, what's the difference between first party cookies and um, third party? So I mean, essentially, a first party cookie means on this site, I want you to track things related to how things work on this site or quote, same site, if you will. Um, and, and you and I are familiar if you have a Crown browser and you have your password set to remember those things, that would be a first party cookie that says, okay, when I do this thing on this website, remember it um, because that cookie tracking device has been authorized to do so. Whereas if, if a uh, signal, if you will, is coming from a third party, not from your own domain name, um, and is tracking some of the behaviors on your website, then that would be considered a third party. Now, what's interesting about that is when, uh, when you go through the process of you know, registering and installing one of Google's own cookies, meaning maybe you've got Google Analytics running, uh, you're, you've got their uh, Google um, Ads man or uh, Tag Manager running. You know, you've essentially gone to the Google platform and gone through the registration process, created a key, if you will, on that side uh, on their platform, and then on the back end in your web administrative settings you've got a place where you can copy and paste that code. So you have administrative authorization for you to approve 
this third party from Google putting their code and tracking the, the behavior of visitors that come to your website, which then in turn, they can interpret and gather and collect that data for your account through your platform. So what they, what's interesting is that, uh, again, so they kind of started this last summer, uh, followed up in August with this term called the privacy sandbox. And they're working with uh, almost like an, an, an open source where you've got GitHub, uh, W3C, School, where you've got, you know, basically all of these, um, you know, web developers and browsers and, you know, people who want to see the privacy of the web um, have, a, have a better, um, you know, use of, of protecting us from ourselves and what this information means. So, I think it's very interesting that, um, you know, very similar to how, I don't know if many, many of you remember, but there was a technology back in the, gosh, probably late 90s, early 2000s, yeah, most uh, maybe early 2000s better, um, where many websites were built in what was called Flash. And it was a very dynamic uh, way of, of presenting uh, you know, uh, a more dynamic moving uh, elements to web design. And I mean, it was everywhere. Everyone was was using Flash, but the, the technology itself was extremely vulnerable to hacking, for lack of a better word. And, um, and as a result, you know, Chrome was like, guys, we're not going to be able to support um, Flash. And so, you know, it took a number of years, but you I don't know that, you know, and, and having done web design the last decade, probably in the last six years, I really haven't seen many sites that I'm rebuilding for clients that still have Flash. So there's already been that iteration. So Google has demonstrated a way to change how things are done on the Internet, you know, without just completely uh, you know, crippling or, or, you know, um, you know, getting everybody all up in arms, but, but this is different. This is really different because I think that, you know, one of the things that's, that's most important here is for digital marketing, um, you know, for your business, you probably are using some type of retargeting on your website. So if you're a retailer, whether you sell t-shirts or baked goods or real estate, you've probably got, and if you're running retargeting ads from a third-party platform like AdRoll or, you know, some other platform that, that handles your retargeting, um, that process is going to be impacted. Now, we're talking about, um, you know, an evolution or an adaptation and it could be that this privacy sandbox becomes um, an area where, like what Google has now, where you go to the platform, you create a key that you, the author of the website, then go to your website and create this other key to be able to say, I'm authorizing that. But that doesn't mean that you've, you're, you're going to be um, compliant, if you will, with these terms of service with regards to how the browser works. Um, we're, we're already seeing some evidence of, of browser privacy when it comes to what GDPR, which is the you know, global data protection initiative that really 
uh, was launched and approved in the UK back in 2018, where you began to see more and more use of that little you know, bar at the bottom of the website that says this site uses cookies and we gather this information, you know, for the benefit of our website visitors, you know, to visit our privacy and cookie policy, click here, and then you have to click the OK button to acknowledge. So again, that was something that was introduced at it for, you know, in the UK. In America, we haven't adopted a privacy measure like that, but I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see something like that because there's obviously a huge push um, towards greater privacy and rightfully so. Like we don't want people watching and knowing what we're doing without our permission. If I give you my permission, that's a whole new ball game. Like, you know, and, and I think the reason why they're not going to just block it completely is because our society, we have grown and become so dependent upon and, and really desire a personalized experience for everything. I mean, think about it. You're, the way you've personalized, the way you watch television is so completely different than what it was just three years ago, right? So when I turn on my Netflix, it's got the last show that I watched. It's got other shows that look like you know, or are similar to have the same actors, it's the same genre, like that kind of, uh, you know, personalization is, is what we want. We like that. And, and when we can have content, whether it's entertainment or the web or whatever, if we can have it the way we want it, <laughs> when we want it, we're gonna, we're gonna make sure that we have that. I mean, Music is the same way, right? That's the reason why we have Pandora. That's the reason why we have Spotify and some of the other, you know, um, entertainment and content programs that allow us to personalize. So, and, and Google said in its own right that, you know, part of this, this um, migration over the next two years to remove what is the current existing configuration of third-party cookies that are enabled or that are tracking information on their browser, um, that they want to create a healthy ad-supported web, right? So, I mean, they're 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 at least saying, "Hey, we're not getting rid of ads, guys," because what they know is that when there is relevant personalized behavior matched with the correct kind of ads, businesses conversion metrics and by their own reporting increased 52%. So showing ads in and of itself on the web isn't, isn't good. It's only good when it's matched with the proper behavior, which means you're tracking what people are looking at so that you make sure that when you show them that, uh, you know, that ad content, it's contextual, it's personalized. So they're not going to move away from that, but they want to define it differently. So again, a lot of people are panicking last Tuesday and over the last, like I've gotten many calls, which is why I wanted to do this podcast video episode, you know, about the cookie apocalypse that, that I'm, I'm hearing the word coined. Uh, Cause I was like, what are we going to do with retargeting? Um, guys, it, it doesn't mean that that's going away. It's just going to change how it is, um, you know, authorized. And so I think it's it's no different than you know what we saw on Facebook when 
you know, for 2020, they've changed the rules. And if you're going to advertise for, you know, national um, um, issues like hunger or, you know, things that are, are, are national, quote, issues, you know, or, or if you're going to target or, or create ads around credit worthiness um, or housing, you know, again, all of these things are these sort of protected, um, you know, areas and, and, and very personalized and, and personal and, and are often, um, you know, the kinds of things that are used uh, in, in ways that are, uh, uh, you know, a discrimination against specific ages or specific races or, you know, things like that. So they changed the way if you're going to run an ad in 2020 and you're going to try to advertise for a political candidate, the way you're going to go about doing that is completely different than the way you did it in 2016. I mean, 2016 was the wild, wild west. You could just fire up some ads, create a Facebook page and start, you know, spitting out ads, targeting people that are, you know, talking about this and that and gun control and border control and whatever you wanted to do. And, and they were scrutinized, obviously. Uh, we all saw Mark Zuckerberg go uh, in front of the House Senate Committee and, you know, was grilled in, in front of Congress. Um, and so they made changes, right? And, and they made it to where if you're going to run ads like that in 2020, you are going to have to prove that you are a legitimate business and that you have a legitimate reason to run those ads. And you're going to have to prove that you are company X that you say you are. Um, and I mean, that process is is 100% in effect. I mean, if you're a realtor today, you can't just click on the boost and boost a post because you have to go through the process of uh, claiming and, and creating an ad that is qualified under the special category uh, for Facebook because it has now been classified as a specific type of ad and requires you to go through that authentication period. So we are seeing we are seeing changes in many of the digital uh, rules and landscape because it's been such a wild wild west that what was originally created as a a well-intended uh, capability has has been manipulated in a very negative way and so, I believe Facebook, I believe Google, I do believe that they want to improve privacy. I do believe that they're going to, um, you know, take further steps to be able to protect us from ourselves because we don't really know, you know, what, what's happening and, and why when I click on something or go to a website and then I go somewhere else and then all of a sudden I'm seeing ads for that, that site that I was on before you know, there's a lot of people that have no idea what that's about and how it works. And unfortunately, there are companies that use that for malicious and or deceptive uh, uh, interests. So anyway, to circle back around uh, again, so Google has talked about this process and they're, you know, talking about the, the origin trials of this sort of um, progression as we go through the next 24 months where they're going to have conversion measurement and personalization, you know, components as part of the privacy sandbox. So I'm, I'm quite certain that the, the ad serving web world that we live in today is going to evolve based on 
the the that people want their privacy they want to have the option to to give permission for their privacy or or for maybe some elements or not some elements that 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 information can be shared because here's the thing guys let's let's get real the fact of the matter is that when it comes to convenience we will sacrifice privacy in a snap right i mean we will absolutely put in our credit card number and say yes if i can save myself 8 minutes every day by paying a dollar whatever a month i mean that's just a kind of a random example but the fact of the matter is if if it's around convenience we will absolutely sacrifice privacy so again you know uh, the big picture here is oh my gosh third party cookies are being you know um you know they're not going to be supported by chrome Chrome currently powers 56% of all of the browser traffic on the planet. And when you compare that to the next most popular Safari browser, which is or browser, which is Safari, which only has 17% market share, that's a huge disparity. Like they really control, um, you know, the they are the browser of choice. And it is because they have a revenue product that's tied to it which gives them money to then develop and change and enhance and improve. So again, I think the, the, the biggest point here is that yes, things are changing. Well, guys, guess what? Everything is changing. Change is inevitable. So what are you going to do as a business? I think one of the things that you know we have been preaching for some time is do not rely upon third-party data to be the single source of information when it comes to how you're going to deploy and how you're going to execute your digital marketing efforts. It's really important that you have your own ways to collect first party data. Because when you have first party data, it then allows you to create what we call lookalike audiences. So, you know, whether you're on Facebook ad platform or whether you're on an ad role ad platform, you have that ability to say, I have this group of data that's ours. We own it. We've collected it. We we had a form on our own website. We presented it in front of someone and said, if you would like to know more information about us, give us your information and we'll make sure that you get it. Whether it's your phone number for our text messaging platform, our VIP club, or whether it's our email marketing with exclusive content through our e-blast or e-newsletters, where you're collecting this first party data so that you can have a data set that says, okay, these are the people who we know who have done, who have either done business with us in the past or who, or who have given us permission to contact us in the future. And so if you're, if you're looking for a way between now and the next 24 months, you know, what can we do to be better prepared in the event that the way that we're doing things now, how can we better be, prepared for a change. And that simply boils down to look to ways to collect your own first party data information across the board. What can you do? And I think you can start with just a couple of those items like, um, you know, collecting that information, whether it's, you know, your, um, your text messaging platform contact data or your email marketing contact data as well. 
Now, another thing when it comes to first party data, I think that a lot of people don't understand or they they overlook or don't think about is, you know, when you collect information in response to or get feedback from people who either do business with you or who you would like to do business with that you've somehow, you know, garnered their attention. So survey information, right? So whether you're using SurveyMonkey or some other type of polling data where you're gathering data that whether it's interest-based or, you know, whatever the, the, the content of that uh, survey is, that is also first-party data that you then can map and own and help provide you with, you know, strategic data-driven uh, strategies in order to improve your digital marketing efforts as we move into 2020 and as we look into 2021 and 2022, the game is going to change. So how can you amass your chips, right? Your first party data, your first party cookies and start baking a successful digital marketing campaign for the future. Guys, I hope this has been informative for you. Um, I'm actually going to put some links uh, in the blog post that will be part of uh, this recording with the video where I'll have a link to the Wall Street Journal article that had some of the information that I talked about today and quotes from there. I'll also have the links back to the Google um, uh, actual blog where um, the, the, the chief engineer of Chrome talks about the sandbox. So you guys can start your own research. Um, if you want to just do you know, uh, a search, you can just type in Google privacy sandbox and you'll probably find all the links that I'm going to provide anyway, but that's an easy way to do it. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Michael Wynn. I'm the Chief Digital Officer of Digital Ops, a division of RB Oppenheim Associates. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time.